Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, bowl preview, part two, playoff edition. Playoffs? How are you? You ready to talk some playoffs? We have one and a half ACC teams in the playoff. So We do, yes. This is a, this is a new one, having multiple games to actually preview in depth from an a- ACC standpoint. Um, yeah, first time we've done that. Uh, in the history of this podcast believe so believe so yeah usually we give like at least some sort of preview for the other game uh but right. obviously go into more depth on the clemson game uh but mike that is uh, you know our annual tradition is to talk about clemson in the playoff but now we've got notre dame in the playoff as well so we're going to talk both of these playoff games uh we will also come back and talk about the last couple of playoff uh, playoff games the last couple of bowl games uh that are happening on the 2nd of january but for now mike let's start on New Year's Day, 4 o'clock on ESPN, the Rose Bowl game, as always, being played in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. It is the Love that. Two, yeah, that's a whole thing. The number four Notre Dame Fighting Irish, a 20-point underdog to the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Total is 65 and a half. Mike, <laughs> it's a 20-point line in a playoff game. We could also say, well, Notre Dame was a small underdog to Clemson, about a 10-point underdog here a couple of weeks ago, and that game probably looked – it was actually closer on the field than it maybe was on the scoreboard, a couple of these things. You you want to roll with the Irish here? So so let's start – let me start here before I get to that. Alabama is going to win the national championship. I'm going to shoot my shot right now and just say that. Spoiler alert. Damn. Yeah. I'm going to say that now, um, regardless of who the opponent is. They're Devontae Smith for Heisman? No, nobody's that surprised by that, right? I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't yeah. know. Now, just hold on, you know, clip that for when I'm talking about <laughs> Clemson. <laughs> Another spoiler. When I'm talking about Clemson here in about a week, uh, as we preview the national championships, I think Clemson's going to beat Ohio State, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. But look, here's the thing. Alabama has three Heisman caliber players and two Heisman finalists on their offense, right? So Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, both Heisman finalists. Najee Harris, I think in a normal year, would have also been a Heisman finalist. But Kyle Trask had such a ridiculous year. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence is going to make it as well. So, you know, the four Heisman finalists being Trask, Lawrence, uh, Devontae Smith, and Mac Jones. Alabama, I think, in a normal year could have had Najee Harris in that conversation. He's one of the best Alabama running backs we've ever seen. And that's a it's a pretty significant statement when you think about who they've had. Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram. We can go down the line, right? Damian Harris was a good running back. They've had a lot of really good running backs at Alabama. Um, and I'd put Najee Harris up against any of them. Uh, he's really freaking good. Yep. Uh, yeah. Alabama's offense is an absolute machine. You know, even without Jalen Waddell, this has been kind of just 
cruising along without a hitch. Devontae Smith is the best receiver in college football. I, I think I would take him right now to win the Heisman Trophy. I think he's my pick. I don't know if it'll play out that way because he could certainly split the boat with Mac Jones, but he's outstanding. Mac Jones has been really, really good all year. You've been on the record saying Mac Jones should win the Heisman. You mentioned that earlier this year. I don't know if that still holds true now. But, I got so close, Mike. I got so close. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be really difficult for Notre Dame to stop. I mean, the defense for the Irish needs to play much better than they did against Clemson the second time, right? The, the linebackers need to play with more conviction. I think that was pretty apparent in the second game against Clemson, like we mentioned, like Notre Dame's linebackers just kind of froze in the running game and weren't able to sell out in the way uh, that they did in the first matchup against Travis Etienne because Trevor Lawrence was back in the lineup, had something somewhat of a running dimension. Now, with that being said, I do think Notre Dame matches up better defensively against Alabama than they do against Clemson. Interesting. Because, because Mac Jones does not add the element in the running game that Trevor Lawrence does. And that was really, really difficult for Notre Dame in that second matchup against Clemson. Now, Alabama's offense, I think, is much better than Clemson's. So I'll also say that. But I think Notre Dame, from a matchup standpoint, I think they can hang for a little bit. Now, Notre Dame's issue, I think, is going to be covering Devontae Smith. <laughs> That's going to be a major problem. Matt, Mac Jones is going to, I think, have a big day. And I think that's really what's going to separate Alabama from Notre Dame in this game. The path to Notre Dame covering is as simple as this. you got to tackle Najee Harris. Um, you have to hold your own in the trenches, which I think Notre Dame is capable of uh, on going on offense against Alabama's defensive front. I think they're capable of holding their own in the trenches. I'm a little bit concerned about their matchup against Alabama's offensive line. Uh, but I, I do think there's a path there for Notre Dame. I do think, you know, if they go with a similar game plan like they did in the first matchup against Clemson, they sell out on the run and make Mac Jones beat them. I think that's kind of what they're going to have to roll with. Because if Alabama gets going both on the ground and through the air, which is what a lot of people expect, and it wouldn't surprise me either, if they get going with that, I mean, this is going to be a four or five touchdown spread potentially. And Alabama, I think, would have done this to whoever the number four team ended up being, whether it was right. A&M, Natty in there if you want. So that was kind of my my takeaway from it um, on, on the defensive side for Notre Dame. Offensively, Ian Book and, and those receivers are going to have to get open. I think Alabama is going to shut down the running game. So I, I think if you're Notre Dame, you got to make some plays through the air to stay competitive here. So it's going to be a situation where Ian Book's going to have to play a great game. I think Notre Dame covers Joey. Twenty is huge. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge spread, and I I think Alabama wins this game. <clears throat> pretty convincingly, but it wouldn't surprise me if the final tally ended up being like 17 to 20. The narrative coming out of this game from a common college football fan, I think is going to be Notre Dame can't hang with, you know, the best teams in college football. And uh, to be fair, you know, Alabama, I think is going to do this to almost anybody um, not named Clemson, even Ohio state this year with how they've looked. <laughs> I wouldn't put past Bama to, kind of lay it on Ohio State, too, if that's who they end up playing in the national championship. So I think it's a pretty low likelihood, obviously, that Notre Dame wins this football game. I think it's a little bit unlikely that they make it competitive for more than a quarter or two. Um, but if Notre Dame's in this game in the third quarter, I think everybody's going to be like, all right, well, this was probably the fourth best team in the country. I know not a lot of people are expecting that. So the long and short of it is, I think Notre Dame finds a way to cover here. 20 points is a lot. I'll always roll with the underdog um, from that standpoint. Over under 65 and a half. 
I think in order for Notre Dame to cover, it's going to have to stay under that because I don't think Notre Dame's offense is going to score enough points in a shootout to cover. So uh, give me Notre Dame plus the 20 in the under. Um, I'm not I'm not too certain that I'm comfortable to take either of those as my lock, Joey. Uh, we might end up with the same lock this week on this podcast. But I was going to uh, say, you uh, like this sounds almost like a little bit wishful, is more than uh, yeah. more than analysis. We'll say, yeah. I I mean I I think I provide my fair share of analysis and a path for Notre Dame to cover because I think that's the angle you have to attack this from because Alabama is just so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with this game. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame in the under. I so a couple things here with Alabama and and really the thing that that I keep going back to in my head that I think if, if you're going to, if Notre Dame is going to keep this somewhat competitive, a couple of the things that you mentioned, I think were, were absolutely correct. Number one, I think, yes, you absolutely, you have to tackle Najee Harris. You cannot be missing tackles. And that is way easier said than done. Uh, you need to keep Devonte Smith in front of you, not let him just completely blow the top off the defense. And I think part of doing that, Mike, is that you need to get pressure with four. You, you, it, I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of, of luck blitzing six and seven guys in this game. Um, n- n- Alabama is just way too good in one-on-one situations in those receivers to to let them, you know, have have those one-on-one situations and just hope for the best. Um, this Alabama offense, absolute runaway freight train from hell potential. I mean, they their lowest scoring output all year, Mike, was the very first game of the year that they played Mizzou and they won thirty-eight to nineteen. Their lowest yeah. scoring output of the year has been 38 points in any given game. Like they have scored 40 in most and 50 in several and 60 it's have a couple to be times. A keep away, keep away game from the Irish. Yeah. I think that, that's the that's the path. You got to play keep away. Yes, you need to slow the slow it down. You need to keep that offense off the field. The, the thing that I've heard uh, some people mentioning recently is the concept of the middle eight. If if Notre Dame can control the ball going into halftime and then get the ball coming out of halftime and keep Alabama's offense off the field for like an hour of real time, I think that would go a long way. I, I but again, we're sitting here just sort of speculating on things that they could be able to do to keep this within twenty points. Like, like, and yeah. keep in mind, by the way, that Texas A and M team that was all real mad on the internet about not getting in the playoff and, and felt the like they out. Just, yeah, felt like they deserved to be there. Bama beat them by four scores. Yep. Like, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. And and the other thing is, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I think, you know, we, we've talked about Alabama this year. They are a team that historically, is, and certainly for the majority of the Saban era, has been built on that defense. And they've pretty consistently been one of the two or three best defenses in the country almost any given year of the Saban era. Um hasn't always been the case this year. There are there are ways you can score some points on Bama. Again, Ole Miss scored 48. Uh, Florida scored 46 on them. Like, there are things that can be exploited, you know, and those are, by the way, those are probably the two best offenses that Alabama's played all year. Right. But there's also a level of dynamic with those quarterbacks and those receivers that I don't know that Notre Dame has. Yeah, I don't know if I really trust Ian Book to make big throw after big throw in the way that we saw him do against Clemson, and we were shocked by it. And, and the reason you're so- shocked by it is you've never seen him do it before. Right. He's had right. opportunities, but he hasn't. Um, so I'm, I think I'm on the other side of this, Mike. I, I might be wrong, and yes, I think there are ways that Notre Dame can find a way to keep this close. And, and as we mentioned, I mean, I, I think the score got a little bit more out of control than the actual on-game competitiveness was uh, against Clemson here in the ACC championship game. So it's not that I think Notre Dame's a bad team. It's just that 
I, I mean, there's there's two teams here in my mind that right now, as we sit here and do this going into New Year's Day, like there's two teams playing at a higher level at the end of the season distinctly than everybody else in the country. Uh, one of them's Alabama. The other one is going to be in this next game that we're going to talk about. And I think you can just go ahead and guess uh, who I'm talking about when I say the that. The paw, but, baby. That's right. That's right. Um, so I'm on, I'm on the other side, Mike. I'm on Alabama. I'll give those 20. I don't care. I think they're going to kill them. I, I think yeah. this is going to be, this is going to be <laughs> a blowout. Um, I, I mean, I'll take Alabama something like 52, 21, something like that. That's I'm, a cover. It's a cover. I mean, Bama scored 41 on a really nasty Georgia defense. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter what they've gone up against. They've put up a ton of yards and a ton of points. And I don't see any reason that, Notre Dame is all of a sudden going to change that. If Notre Dame's offense stays on the field, I think they can hold Bama's offense in check. I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame's defense holding Bama's offense in check. So right. let me get that out there right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on, on that note, I, I'll just check some math here. Yeah, I think I kind of like the over. Um, 52-21. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 65 and a half. I, I think, again, I think Bama's capable of scoring 50 here. And it's it's no slight on Notre Dame. They're really good. It's just that's how it, good Alabama is. It checks out with my thinking on the game saying, okay, if you're taking Notre Dame to cover, you better be betting the under, too. Um, yeah. You're saying Bama and the over. So I feel good about that being on the other side. But yeah. Yeah. If, whatever. If, if Bama scores, yeah, 45, like Notre Dame covering, you know, you trust them to score more than 24? No. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting though that you mentioned the the you know first half kind of keep it close theory. I'm seeing a first half line of uh, Alabama minus eleven and a half. So depending on what you think it could be at halftime, if it's like a twenty to ten kind of situation or twenty four fourteen or something like that, you know, might might be a little bit interested in Notre Dame there. And, and Joey, before I, I know we got to move on, but before we wrap this up, I mean, Clemson. You remember what that what that score was at halftime against Notre Dame in that same stadium a couple of years ago in the Cotton Bowl. Like Notre Dame was hanging around, mm-hmm. and, and it, it was I think seventeen three, and then Julian Love got hurt, and all hell broke loose. Yeah, like, Notre Dame can hang around for a little while. Now I think Alabama's offense is on another level, but I, I you know if Notre Dame can stay on the field offensively, that's going to be the key to the game. Like if the offense of Notre Dame stays on the field, that's the key to this not getting out of hand. Yeah, period. Yeah, if Notre Dame's not sustaining drives, not converting third downs, you know that that stretch of five drives that we saw in the middle of the game from Notre Dame yeah. against Clemson. You can't have that. Right. You can have one or two of those, but you can't have five in a row because, yeah, you're going to get boat raced the same way you did there in the conference title game. Yeah. If you're a spread, if you're a spread better, you're looking at time of possession and then you're looking at points per drive. That's it. It's two metrics. Um, And if Notre Dame performs well in those two metrics, they're going to cover the spread. If they don't, then they won't. That's it. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, All right. Well, I'm taking Alabama in the over. Uh, you're taking Notre Dame and the under, and I think those are definitely correlated metrics there. Right. Yep. I, you know, Mike, let's just go ahead and do this. Just go ahead and lock up Alabama. What the hell? There it is. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it You've up. You've been waiting lock on this up. the whole lock podcast. Lock it up. I have. Please. <laughs> Knew it was coming. Whatever. Uh, double barrel locks for me this week. I got another one coming up here in a minute. So, uh, all right, Mike, uh, can we talk about my shirt for a second? Let's talk about your shirt. Oh my gosh. It is so comfortable. It looks so good. I'm so happy with it. Uh, can you tell me what it says on there? Football Saturdays. Football Saturdays, but again, Satter as in Satterfield. And it's got a cool Louisville Cardinal on it. 
Uh, Mike, do you know who made it? Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel. I am I am so over the moon. I love this shirt. Uh, I'm looking to go get several more. Uh, home Field Apparel, your home on the internet for premium vintage licensed collegiate apparel. Uh, it is a wonderful group of people to work with uh, out of Indianapolis. Mike, did you get any Home Field Apparel for Christmas? I did. And did, did. you like it? Got myself the uh, Skipper the Cannon shirt. So go Hokies. Big deal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, go check out Home Field Apparel. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. And uh, Mike, we'd love to see from the people. If you got Home Field Apparel over Christmas, and certainly if you, uh, if you used a uh, GOACC promo code there at checkout, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us a picture of it. You know, whatever you want to do. We want to help, you know, promote the brand, and it, we got all sorts of cool stuff we get our people finding. Yep. For um, sure. And, and, and we've actually got some Pitt fans on the case of what this 13-9 to 9 shirt is. Still trying to figure that one out, Mike. Yeah, so, something to do with uh, Rich Rodriguez in West Virginia or something. Could be anything. Could be from any yep. any game against any, you know, yeah, West Virginia or something. I don't know. I don't know. Who, yeah. who, who Who's to say? Oh, go ACC at checkout, 20% off your order. I don't know if we mentioned that, but... Yep, that is go ACC at checkout for 20% off your first order, homefieldapparel.com. Thanks again to Connor and the crew, and congratulations to them on a wonderful holiday season and and, and getting all the orders that they had out. I know they, they were uh, they were really under it, so well done to those guys. Yep. Mike, one more game. The All-State Sugar Bowl from Mercedes-Benz, the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. It is... What? Playing that one at the right stadium, Joey. I guess so, yeah. Uh, New Year's Day, 8 o'clock on ESPN. The number two Clemson Tigers, a seven and a half point favorite against the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. Total is 66 and a half. Mike, it's Clemson, Ohio State three. Clemson got the first two. Uh, the first one was 31 to nothing, a shutout, a blowout. The second one was probably the game of the year and one of the games of the decade last year in the Fiesta Bowl. Is this one going to look more like the first one or more like the second one? More like the first one. Clemson, my seven and a half. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Right, Mike, I'm not even going to waste any time here. I'm going double barrel locks here one more time. Lock it up. Hell yeah, you baby. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yeah, I think Ohio State a little bit fraudulent here. Is that fair? Uh, uh, a lot fraudulent. Justin Fields <laughs> has faced two good defenses this year, Indiana and Northwestern. He hasn't played well in either game. Ohio State's defense has been a bit of a roller coaster ride this year, and Clemson's firing on all cylinders. I think this is the game where you see a, a team that's played six games uh, going up against a team that's played 11, and you see one team that's in a big-time rhythm and one team that hasn't been in a rhythm all year. We've seen this a few times in the college football playoff era, right? Like, we've seen a Florida State team that was coming off of winning a national championship that w- looked kind of up and down all year and got blown the hell out in the bowl game, right, um, in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. Uh, we've seen it with Clemson with Kelly Bryant, right, getting blown out against Alabama in the semifinal when they kind of looked up and down all year with their offense. And, look, Ohio State's got the star talent. they got the roster, all that. But you're asking me to trust a team to put it all together on a long layoff when they haven't really looked consistent all year, when they haven't had layoffs, right? And when they've been able to play multiple weeks in a row. And I guess it's been a weird year for Ohio State and they've had cancellations and stuff like that. But we've seen this team on the field like multiple weeks in a row. I guess it's hard to get into a rhythm in a COVID year and stuff like that. But like they have not looked very good. And that's kind of what it keeps coming back to for me is one team is playing really good football right now. One team hasn't really played good football all year. And 
Ohio State, from a pure talent standpoint, has enough on their roster to get past almost any team in the country, and that's why they're where they're at in the playoff at six and zero. I can't believe that, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson is ten and one. The one loss is to Notre Dame without their starting quarterback. They come back in that same game, the ACC championship game, and like we mentioned, Notre Dame, you know, blew what you know, blew some opportunities, but Clemson overall played really well. And they're firing on all cylinders, and I have a hard time seeing Ohio State generating enough stops against Clemson's offense. And I think Justin Fields and that offense struggles against Clemson's defense. I don't see Ohio State putting it all together. If they hang around, wouldn't totally shock me. I think Clemson wins this game by two scores, though. I think they're too good. I think they're in too much of a rhythm, and I think they're, they're the better team and have been all year. This is more like the first matchup. I don't think it gets that out of hand where it's like a you know four-and-a-half score spread. But I think Clemson does win this game by multiple scores, and I, and I think they they cruise on, on the way to a national championship. So not a shutout like the first time. Maybe not even a full-on proper blowout, but a convincing win for Clemson here. It'll feel it'll feel like a blowout, I think, because I don't think Ohio State's going to really be all that competitive. I think they'll hang around, right, and maybe the, the score doesn't get too crazily out of hand. But I think it'll be pretty convincing that Clemson's a better team. One of the things I had to consider, and I, I had to kind of remind myself of uh, from last year's game, Mike, was the amount of talent that Ohio State lost from that game and, and how how different this Ohio State team is. Consider Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett. Those were all first-round picks that came off that defense. Right. J.K. Dobbins, second-round pick. Devon Hamilton, third-round pick. Jonah Jackson, third-round pick. Malik Harrison, third-round pick. Like – there was a ton of Ohio State talent, and especially on that defense. Again, that's a defensive end, corner, corner, running back, defensive tackle, offensive guard, linebacker. So you had five defensive players taken in the first three rounds of the draft that now you've got to replace and somehow get that performance back. Not to mention, I don't I don't remember who their defensive coordinator was, but I think he's gone somewhere else now. Uh, that could be anybody. Um, shout out Jeff <laughs> Halfley. Clemson lost their share of talent too, but again, like you said, I mean – Clemson, this is what they do. This is what they do. <laughs> Clemson starts out kind of slow. They look a little bit iffy, and people are thinking this is the year that they're not going to win. They're, somebody's going to knock them off. And then slowly but surely, they get a lot better and a lot better. And then they go into the ACC championship and they wipe the floor with somebody. And all of a sudden, they're playing at a super high level come playoff time. Like right. Dabo has this down to a science. Yep. So, so, yeah, I mean, you've got Clemson playing at a super high level, and then you've got Ohio State that's had a very disjointed season yeah they've had a couple stoppages yeah you know they they didn't look all that great against northwestern they kind of had indiana blown out and then let them back in the game um it just this just does not feel like the the ohio state team that is playing at the level that they were playing this time last year agree and and that's where i i just don't know that i can I, i i don't see them hanging here I mean, I you, there's a there's a motivation factor for sure of like, well, you know, we, we lost this game just barely last year and we probably should have won. We were probably the better team, all this stuff. Right. But like I, <laughs> there's still an aspect of like doing it on the field that that has to come with that. You can't just want it that badly and make it ha- like that's enough to make it happen. <laughs> like, right. I don't know. Um, I'm with you. I just. I don't see it with Ohio State. I really don't. Like, I even offensively, right? Like, the offense, I think, is the better of the two units because you do have Justin Fields and, you know, Trey Sermon and, and Teague have been really – Master Teague, obviously, really good year for only playing six games. But I just 
think Clemson shuts down the rushing attack, and I don't think J- Justin Fields, I know Justin Fields doesn't have the weapons he had a year ago at receiver. And I, in my opinion, Joey, quite honestly, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave can only do so much at receiver, right? Clemson's right. got corners that can hang with those guys, and if Clemson shuts down the run, Ohio State runs into a Notre Dame problem. And what I mean by that is they don't have enough guys who can get open consistently. Right. And that's right. a bad recipe against a good Clemson defense with Brett Venables. So that's why I think Clemson wins this game going away. And Ohio State's got the talent to hang with almost anybody in a normal year. I think if Ohio State played, you know, 11 or 12 games, maybe we're talking about this game in a little bit different light, but no rhythm this year, no consistency on either side of the football. I have a hard time seeing Ohio State score enough points. I mean, consider this, Mike. Justin Fields has completed 119 passes this year. 74 of them have gone to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like that's two guys that you got to cover and otherwise nobody else has more than 10, you know, nobody else has 10 receptions to speak of. I mean, you got to spread the ball around better than that if if you're that predictable, like Brent Venable's right. going to eat your lunch, man. Like you you got to be more creative than that. So I'm I'm with you on this. I I I mean, I think this is, yeah, probably a multi-score win for Clemson. I, I don't see it being particularly close. I Last year, I definitely saw it being closer than this. I think Clemson might have even been an underdog, and I, I was taking the points just – I would have taken the points with either side. But this one, no. I, I don't see it from Ohio State. I, I, again, I think there's two teams right now that are playing at a much higher level than anybody else in the country. So this is not a shot at Ohio State. It wasn't a shot at Notre Dame. It's not a shot at Texas A&M, Cincinnati, Georgia, Florida, whatever. It's just Alabama and Clemson are playing that well right now. Right. And I I think those are probably the proper two teams to be playing for the national title here in a a week and a half or so. I'm right there with you. Mike, there's been a lot of chatter going back and forth between these two teams on this game. Dabo and Ryan Day and uh-huh. coaches polls and trash talk and this that and the other. Does any of that is any of that register with you? Does it do anything for you? Change your opinion at all? No, no, no. <laughs> now I do. I do find it. Uh, I do find it fun and interesting and livens things know, up. Ryan a bit. Day. I, I, Ryan Day got real mad about it, which was pretty funny. But like Dabo is just basically like, yeah. I mean, I'm just not going to rank any team that's played six games. Or I'm not going to rank him high anyway, and it's like, all right, well. Or you mean like yes. his his media guy won't? That's yeah. I'm a lot. That's let's have a different conversation about that then. That's a whole other part of it, right? <laughs> like a lot of the coaches don't actually conduct these coaches' polls, right? They don't actually fill these out. They have somebody else to do it because it's a waste of time. Like they're trying to coach football. They don't mm-hmm. really. They're not worried about that other stuff. Uh, so that's that's the other part of this. Like, did Dabo really not rank Ohio State high, or did his assistant really not rank him high? And like, how closely is Dabo looking at it? If it's if it's that second part, right? Right. Like, I, that's that's the other thing too. Like, is Dabo really looking this over? He's like, oh yeah, okay, sounds good. Like, he, does he really care? And the fact that he's going out defending it this week, it's like not even that big of a deal to him. He's like, I don't even really care. They're not ranked in the top ten. Who cares? It's, yeah. Totally irrelevant. I mean, you're not ranking teams based on college football playoff. You're on the uh, coaches poll anyway. It's totally based on college football playoff. Who cares? Right. Yeah, I I feel like I've also been pretty consistent on this over the years, yeah. and I agree with you. Like this kind of thing makes it more fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I I need and I want more coaches and players coming out cutting wrestling promos in press conferences right. and stuff leading up to games. Like, right. I need that in my life. So by all means, please please do uh, go for that. Yeah, Mike, the other thing I was thinking about, and I, I thought it was maybe worthwhile to hit on here for just a second, is a, a bit of a, 
a hypothetical or a theoretical question maybe for you is we've been doing this podcast now. This is the fifth season that we've been doing this. Um, And in every season that we have done this, Clemson has won the conference and they have played in the playoff. And in most of those years, they've played for the national title. Right. Would you be more interested in the ACC? Do you think it would be more interesting or more fun to talk about if Clemson were not this like end all be all power in the conference? If, if it were, you know, a little bit more of a rotation of, of who's really good, you know, if it, even if that means that sometimes the ACC doesn't have a team in the playoff, do you think the ACC right. to you would be more interesting or more fun to talk about and cover on this podcast than if we were, you know, maybe if we didn't have Clemson as 22 point favorites in every conference game they play? We got to be careful how we talk about this, right? Because I don't want the ACC turning into the Pac 12 either. Where right. they're having a hard time getting a team in, <clears throat> so that's that's the other part of this, right? So you got Clemson that's overly dominant, and in a year that it, Notre Dame's not an ACC team, there's nobody pushing Clemson, right? Um, and that's been the case for the entirety, really, of us doing this podcast. The only team that I can think of um, that's really pushed Clemson since we started recording this is Louisville. Yeah, like. And that even was in the very Florida beginning. State, yeah, like even Florida State, like we weren't recording this podcast yet. Right. Um, when Florida State was a playoff team, you know, the first they, they won the final BCS national championship and they were in the playoff the first year of the playoff, Florida State was. Yep. Uh but since we've recorded this podcast, it's been nothing but Clemson. Yep. Which you know what? I, I think you'd rather have obviously one ACC team in than none. And I think if you're looking at the entire conference having a team that sets the standard like Clemson does should, in theory, bring teams like Miami, teams like Florida State, teams like Louisville, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, like programs that are capable of getting to another level, it it brings them up in theory, right? Like they should be trying to recruit better and trying to play to the level where they can challenge Clemson. Yep, We haven't always seen that, right? We saw it with Louisville with Lamar Jackson when he won the Heisman Trophy. We saw it that year. Um, they pushed Clemson really down to the wire um, in the regular season. We've seen Notre Dame as you know a conference-affiliated team this year push Clemson. We, we saw Virginia Tech once in the ACC championship game in 2016 with Gerard Evans push Clemson a little bit. But we haven't seen it consistently, right? Like now it's, okay, Miami goes up against Clemson. They get throttled. Right. And that's really been the only team that we've looked at from a talent standpoint over the years. And we've been like, okay, that's another team because of where they are and how they recruit. That's another team that has the talent on paper in the ACC to push Clemson. At least Uh, in the context of since we've been recording this podcast. I mean, again, earlier in the the decade, it was Florida State. Right. Of course. And, And the last five years, Florida State hasn't been that team. And really, there hasn't been a team. Right. Yeah. Like, one year of Lamar Jackson, I know Lamar Jackson was playing quarterback for a couple of years, but they were only really, really good one year with Lamar Jackson. The other year, I think they went eight and four. So the, it was really just like one year of Lamar Jackson. And it was like one year of Virginia Tech with Gerard Evans that, that pushed Clemson in the conference championship game. But in the last five years, there hasn't been a team that's really stepped up. And there's really only a couple teams now, in my opinion, that are in a position to jockey to a spot where they can challenge Clemson. Those two teams, Joey, 
are Miami and North Carolina mm-hmm. because of how they recruit and you know who they have playing quarterback. Now the conversation changes a little bit. We'll talk about this in the recap with De'Ara King probably tearing like three ligaments in his knee in the bowl game last night that we watched. Uh, yeah, so not, not great. That changes things a little bit. But based on how Miami has recruited, based on how North Carolina has recruited, if you're looking for a team in the coastal anyway that's going to push Clemson in the near term or that, that would be a good candidate to push Clemson, it would be either North Carolina or Miami, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I, But I don't think there's another – the long and short of it is there's not another team in the ACC that successfully put together a long-term three- or four-year growth strategy over the life of our podcast the last five years – since 2015, anyway, there hasn't been a school that's really put it together consistently enough where you're like, okay, they're building something that can contend with Clemson or can at least, you know, put together a competent game against them in a conference championship game that's not Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And even Notre Dame, when they got into the ACC championship game, they've lost, right? So we just haven't seen Clemson challenged. You know, Pittsburgh beating them once in a regular season in a weird Nathan Peterman game doesn't count. Like, I was going to say, we, we've right? seen them. We've seen them lose in the regular season. Right. You know, they lost that game to Pittsburgh the first year we did this. They they got pushed to the very edge, as we mentioned by Lamar Jackson there that first year uh, in Death Valley. Uh, they lost to Syracuse on that Friday night in the Carrier Dome in 2017. Yep. They almost lost to Syracuse at least one more time, if not two more times, over the last couple yep. of years. Somehow, some way. I guess, I don't know, it's just something I was thinking about is, you know, here we are, year five, Clemson in the playoff for the fifth time, like Clemson running away with the ACC championship, you know, again, for the fifth time, and looking back at spreads this year, it was 32 and a half, 28, 14, 27, 46, 31, five and a half, 24, and 22 and a half in the regular season. <laughs> that Notre Dame game sticks out, five and a half. Kind of does, yeah. Um, and then the 14 was against Miami that they won by like 35, you know, so right. like... I, I, I don't know, just on some level, it's like if there was actually some level of uh, parity of like it's reasonable to maybe pick somebody to win the ACC other than Clemson or, you know, sometimes Clemson's going to be challenged in the regular season before we get to, you know, out of conference play, all that. I don't know. That's yeah, that was just kind of what was on my mind a little bit and, and something I felt like it was kind of worth visiting here a little bit. It's I, I agree with you. It's good for the conference money wise, exposure wise, all this stuff to have a Clemson, you know, a team right. that is consistently a top five program in the country. But from and, you know, you and me just having interest and, and doing this podcast and trying to create entertaining content and college football being fun that from that standpoint, it, you know, yeah, I guess there's two ways to look at it. You could either have Clemson kind of fall back to earth a little bit, or you could have somebody rise up and, and step to them and, and challenge them. And even with the, even with the teams we talked about potentially challenging Clemson, I mean, Clemson's just, uh, they're flat out going to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, next year, when we sit down, I, I mean, this summer, <laughs> when we sit down and we record our season previews, the conversation is going to be, okay, same old Clemson. It's going to be like, okay, they don't have ETN anymore. They don't have Trevor Lawrence anymore. They don't have Monty Rogers anymore. Like, okay, they don't have like some of their key playmakers, but they also have like a bunch of five star recruits and they have DJU and they have a backup to DJU who's a five star, unless he Tyson Foam and Chonch, unless he transfers. <laughs> um, I love so, that like, name. It, yeah, me too. So it's, it's like, all right, they're going to be the favorite. And then, okay, Clemson in 2022, they're going to be the favorite. In 2023, they're going to be the favorite unless Dabo goes somewhere else or they just 
have major injuries. I mean, it's a machine. It's a dynasty. The bigger problem for me is that there haven't been enough teams in the ACC garnering any sort of consistency from a coaching or quarterback standpoint to really kind of take the next step. The only consistent quarterback we've seen from the standpoint of, oh, he's been there a really long time is Kenny Pickett. Everybody else it's like, and Trevor Lawrence, of course, sure. but Kenny Pickett sure. is it outside of Clemson. Like who else are you pointing to in the ACC? You're like, yeah, that guy's been there a long time and there's a reason why they're consistent. And you look at Pittsburgh, they're not any good, relatively speaking to, to Clemson. So that's the bigger issue for me. There aren't enough teams kind of garnering any sort of consistency to even put together some sort of like roadmap and maybe North Carolina turns into that team. But, you know, Mac Brown is, you know, only got so long of a runway before he ultimately retires. And what does that look like? So I'm a little bit, I don't want to say skeptical, but in a few years, we might be sitting here and being like, all right, North Carolina's in a great spot. So now who's their next head coach? And does that momentum continue? And I think that's going to be the question. They're the team I look at right now because everybody else is just kind of up in the air. Mike, the thing you said about the only thing that probably brings down Clemson is Dabo leaving. I at this point I just I had the thought I cannot 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 wait for the Urban Meyer to Clemson rumors that will come from that and I will uh, leave uh, you with that I will leave you with that thought. <laughs> that would be a uh, culture shock. Oh, it would be a very it would be a change. It's not if it's when, Mike. It's not if it's when. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, oh, for the rumors, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. I I don't think Urban Meyer's ever coaching there. But as far as the rumors are concerned, we'll get those at some point if Dabo were to ever leave. And the only way Dabo's leaving is for the NFL. I don't even think he's leaving for Bama at this point. That that ship has sailed. I think that would be shocking. He built Alabama at Clemson. Why would he leave? I don't see it. Tend to agree, Mike. Let's work on getting out of here. This has been a good little preview and discussion surrounding the playoff. Uh, again. Alabama wins comfortably. How comfortably up to you? Uh, we both think Clemson got them locked up as a you know pretty big win here over Ohio State. So, uh, Mike, we'll come back and recap these games. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. We're also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. Come check us out there. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, The Overcast, Epper, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, they can... Send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. Absolutely. Please and thank you. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. You want to come back and preview the rest of these bowl games? Only a couple more. Only a couple more to go. And that'll be it for the, uh, the the college football season. It's kind of sad. Actually, yep. probably one more game that I guess we'll probably have to preview. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. We'll do the that daddy. one, too. Anyways. All right. Uh, we'll come back, and we will preview those games, and we will talk then, Mike. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go <laughs> ACC.